Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent to except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Turn with me to Mark then. Mark 7, picking it up in verse 24. Same story, different author. And from there he rose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the, mat, the, the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way. The demon has gone out from your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon had gone out. And her daughter was lying on the bed. Father, we thank you again for your word. We ask that you would bless it and that you would, we would find strength and encouragement from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, help me is one of the most powerful prayers we can pray. It's simple, but it's right to the point. I'm sure you can't count the times you've prayed that prayer. <laughs> I know I can't. Proverbs 12, 12, if you'll pull that up, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. And that's one of the great reasons for attending the Assembly of the Saints. It's the prospect of being greatly encouraged by the Lord to persevere through our earthly struggles. Our encouragement cannot be measured when we faithfully come before God and pray, set under his word, just drinking it in. The blessings are unlimited. It's unknown to us, the good that takes place within us. And so the enemy knows this, and he works deceitfully to try to keep us from coming to church, does he not? Don't you find that Sunday mornings are one of the most difficult mornings when you're preparing to come to church? Things happen on Sunday morning that would never happen during the week, right? 
Well, there's a reason for that, right? Our fallen nature, it produces anxiety, depression, but it's the word of God when it's received into our heart that it, what does it produce? Gladness, joy. You see, there are those who can see, and then there are those who can see when they are shown. And unfortunately, there are those who cannot see even when they are shown. And if you do not understand this truth, you need to rethink and grasp the power of what is in the Word of God. These are the days in which we live. There are many who refuse to see the facts of what's transpiring, the reality of the suffering that is taking place on a global scale. Such has not been since it's been measured. I think we're living in one of the most incredible times in church history, as well as the history of the world. You know, and most, and a lot of people suffer because they are unwilling to change their mind. You know, because if they would change their mind, it would also change their behavior. How many people know what the right thing is to do, what should be done, and yet they refuse to do it? Morally speaking, we know that humanity is deeply flawed. We're poor, we're blind, we're naked. Yet we think we're fine. We're okay. We're basically good people. The problem with that is that we are just using the wrong standard of measurement in comparison. We compare ourselves to ourselves and by ourselves. And that can be blinding to the reality of what really lies within the heart of fallen man. You see, self-righteousness has led many into eternal destruction. Many who believe the lie that, well, you know, I've done some bad things, but I've also done a lot of good things, and so I'm pretty sure when I stand before, you know, the pearly gates, you know, and I stand before the Lord, and I'm going to... He's going to see that my good works outweighed my bad works, and therefore he'll let me in. There are a lot of people who believe that. Unfortunately, that's not the right standard. That's not the truth. Because unbeknownst to them, they've remained in a state of unforgiveness. That self-righteous attitude has buried them in their personal guilt. We must approach the Lord on the basis of mercy and brokenness rather than on the basis of merit as though we deserved what we're asking for. That's why we should consider what we pray and how we pray. What are we asking for? And in what kind of attitude are we asking it for? We should consider our words very carefully in our world today, there are many troubled mothers, and I'm convinced that motherhood is the most important ministry in this, on this, in this world and on this planet. The ministry of nurturing and training children. Can you think of a more important role? There's nothing, not one thing, that could ever substitute for the work of a mother in the heart of a child. I think it's the most difficult task given to human beings. And I'm not just saying that because it's Mother's Day. Think about it. You're raising the next generation. 
these are the people that are going to lead their families and produce more children. It's going to affect the communities. It's going to affect nations even. Now, if you were the adversary to God and to humankind, wouldn't you think you, wouldn't you consider attacking the very source of their existence? And this is exactly what he has done. Even though he could not, the enemy could not outright destroy humankind, he would, can at least and does attack the vital role of human development, which comes primarily in the early days through the mother. What's really sad to me is what's happened in our culture. He's succeeding in deceiving this generation that materialism is more important. We have and we've come to believe that it's more important to obtain rather than to maintain the integrity of the family in nurturing children. You know, I'm not casting any condemnation upon him, but I can say this sincerely. Daycare cannot replace the nurturing mother's role. Nobody loves your child more than you. And, and to think what you know, you're missing, what they're missing in that bonding process is immeasurable. World statistics are estimated 153 million orphans in the world today. And of that 153 million orphans, approximately 7.6 million have lost both parents. It's, that pain is immeasurable. That, that is just beyond comprehension. You know, when you see a problem like that, you automatically think it's just too big of a problem for anyone to handle. But, and it probably is, but the church, empowered by the Spirit of God, with the heart of God, can at least do something in its local area. May God direct our church accordingly. May this speak to someone's heart as it's spoken to my own heart. What can we do to help those who have no mother, who have no father, who've been orphaned. That's one of the reasons we support Miracle Home Ministries, because of their ministry to the children. May God strengthen them and bless them as well. You know, you think about the issues that they're facing. Who feeds them? Who provides for them? They're poverty-stricken. What about their education? Does anybody really care? They're orphaned. It tells us a lot about our world today. There's a, this is a world that is in great need of mothers. And really, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that can turn this around. That's the greatest aid. It's what provides hope for suffering people. The gospel of Jesus Christ offers more than just words. The true followers of Christ do what they do. They help others in their, along their journey of life. Because we know that the law may have came and through Moses, but grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. And you think about the two out, these two outstanding characteristics of Jesus' ministry, that of grace, speaking the word, 
and his deeds in serving people. He came to meet the greatest need of mankind, and he'll meet the greatest need that all mothers are having right now. He was led by the Spirit to meet the needs of those people, and we see this in this story this morning. We're going to see it very powerfully. You know, the establishment didn't receive him. They rejected him. They didn't accept his authority. You know, and he didn't hang around to debate with them. He didn't argue with them. Fact is, in one place he says, let them alone. They made their choice. Let them alone. Go to the people who are willing to hear and listen. Minister to them. He just moved on and ministered to people who were receptive. If Jesus' words are believed, if Jesus' words are truly received, he will provide everything necessary to those in need. We're going to look at these two main points in these texts this morning. Is his Jesus' withdrawal from Galilee to be alone, which is a, a, a practice uh, that he did often because of the busyness and the continued demand upon him during those three and a half years. And then we'll look at how he responds to the persistent. And that's really the, the, one of the most important qualities of, a mo- of mothering, persistence and endurance and perseverance. In this passage, in, in this point in time in his ministry, uh, he'd been constantly questioned by the Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem. And he had confronted their hypocrisy. Uh, he, he used Jeremiah 13, 29, 13 taking notes. So they heard and they were aware of his ministry. They knew what was going on among the people and they were obviously filled with jealousy. And yet, in, regard, in reality, they were the ones who were unwilling to repent from their Hippocratic, Hippocratical, hypocritical rather, uh, attitudes, their unwillingness to repent. So he left the area. And actually, in doing this, Jesus is actually modeling what he had told the disciples to do when he had sent them out. He had told them, Where, whoever receives you, receives me. And let that peace be upon you. If they reject you, leave and let your peace remain with you. And then he also said, this is uh, Matthew uh, 10, 14, shake the dust off your feet. Just go to a place where you're more receptive. You know, the Lord is very patient with sinners. Think of how patient he has been with you. I know how patient he's been with me. Well, Maybe not all, but a lot. God is so patient with rebels. He gives them time and space to repent. But his response to those who rebel against him is to withdraw. Remain silent to those who are pretending to be something that they're not. He backs off when people refuse to receive the truth and right uh, to do what's right. So he's going to this region of Tyre and Sidon, to this Mediterranean seaport in Phoenicia, uh, which is modern-day Lebanon, if you want to connect the dots there. It's about 40 miles away from Capernaum, so it's quite a 
walk. He didn't get in the taxi and drive. They walked. So you can see this is, so, uh, this is truly a getaway, right? He w- entered a house and <laughs> wanted nobody to know it. I just need some long time. <laughs> Do you ever need that? Don't feel guilty. Jesus needed it too. <laughs> People can wear you out, right? <laughs> Sometimes we just get tired. Not tired of the work, but tired of, from working, right? We need to rest. He was seeking to secure some privacy, just to have a, a quiet moment, I think. You know, when you're in that constant ministry mode of serving and giving and serving and giving, you know, there's time. You have to take care of yourself. And for the you workaholics, you need to listen up. Don't feel guilty that you're taking a break. It's okay. Don't stop working, but just take a moment to rest. Pull it back together. You should do that at least once a week. It's good practice. <laughs> he could not be hidden. He could not conceal his presence. The power and blessing and the what, that went out from his ministry, it, 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 people knew that when they came to Jesus, good things were going to happen. And so they just kept coming. And so this Canaanite woman, this Syrophoenician woman, the idea of mentioning that is that she's non-Jewish. You don't want to miss that. What does she do? She came to Jesus and she prayed persistently. And this is what it says in verse 26 there in Mark. She kept on asking. This is persistence. This is what we are called to. This is one of the major roles of being a mom. Persistent prayer. You know, the acronym ASK, ASK, SEEK, and KNOCK, A-S-K. Yeah, that's the basic principle in seeking the, the knowledge and actually coming to know the Lord. And so the disciples here, uh, as we've read, asked Jesus to send her away because she continued to do this. Oh, this you know, and, and we get this picture of the disciples being frustrated Probably frustrated with Jesus because they don't want to hear her bantering in their ears. But I want to give a little bit of a break to the disciples here. They may have been a little impatient. But I think when you are following the Lord and you are involved in ministry, you really want to see the Lord help people and minister to people. Now, those are coming with ill motives at times. That happens. But that's not our, that's not our, that's not our concern we let God just take care of that. So it would be probably better to um, look at this as, um, Lord, she's not going to go away until you help her. <laughs> so would you mind just like, I know she's a Gentile, but I think that's a, a good way of looking at that portion. But notice she, she comes Asking, oh, son of David, she requests mercy. Have mercy upon me, son of David. She owns him as Messiah, but she's a Gentile. She has no right. And that's why Jesus answers her, was, was I not sent to the house of Israel? You know, there's an order here that needs to be observed, and Jesus is faithful to observe it. But when she addresses him, she addresses him as Lord, the door's wide open. 
Because all mankind can call upon Yahweh, the creator, the Lord of all. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. It's when she gets to, to the bottom and to the deepest desire of her heart. Lord, help me. Help me. See, that's the point that we have to come to. Whether we're praying for our children, we're praying for the orphans, or whatever we're praying for, there has to, we have to get to that point. Lord, help me. She was, notice she's specific about her need. Have mercy upon me. because what, what does that convey? First of all, she knows she's a sinner. She has no right to be in his presence. She's not even, on the, not even in the same league as Jesus or the disciples. I'm just a sinner, right? Have mercy upon me. Very important. She begs for mercy, not grace. She's depending upon the mercy of God to reach out and touch, not herself. She's bringing, this is on the behalf of her own daughter. The one she loves is being tormented. How many mothers have children that are in torment? I mean, this is an easy, this is, this is low-hanging fruit for a pastor. I mean, it's just across the board. Mothers carrying the burden for their children who have strayed, who are going astray. It is just overwhelming and heartbreaking. Yet the most important thing we can do as parents, as mothers, is to pray. Now you understand why she kept on asking. She kept on seeking. She kept on knocking. I don't care about the disciples. You can write me off all you want. I'm coming to Jesus. And that's the way we have to be in our prayer life. On the other hand, you know, it's a lot easier to just get mad at your kids than to pray for them. They know what was right. Why have you surrendered to the devil, you know? Praying for mercy is a good way to pray for rebellious young, unyielding souls. Bring them to Jesus in faith and in prayer. He is able to heal. He is able to deliver. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So one commentator writes, the greatest afflictions of our relations do not dissolve our obligations to them. Just because our kids are making wrong choices doesn't take away the obligation we have as parents to pray. We must always remain loving. They will always be our children. It will always be our responsibility to pray for them. There's no other option. It drives us to Christ. May we be, and that's a good thing, to be driven to Christ, closer to Him. I have this, everybody likes formulas. Everybody likes well, I don't know how to pray for them anymore. So I'm going to take a time and give you a, a, an example from s- Scripture that I think will help. And it's, a, it's, an ob- it's one of those obscure, weird stories. You know, there's, and anytime you come across a weird story in the Bible, there's, there's a reason it's there, number one. Number two, there's some good stuff usually that you, when you get 
what's going on. It's like, oh, wow. Thank you for the weirdness, Lord. <laughs> Numbers 22. And you can take notes here. Verse, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this. I'm going to kind of rush through this to stay on pace here. But Numbers 22, verse 22, 24, and 26. This is the story of Baal, the disobedient prophet. He's walking in disobedience to God. And I call this, as some of you remember, a few years ago I taught on this. We went through Numbers. I call this God's funneling device. Now, we know what a funnel does. You know, it's got a big mouth, and it leads down to a very small port that that contents could be funneled to, drained to, and into a different container without spillage, right? It just brings it all together at the bottom, right? We, gravity is our friend. <laughs> the Bible says God resists the problem, but he gives grace to the humble and I think this is how we pray for one that's walking in disobedience. So as you read through that story, Yahweh took his stand in verse 22 as the adversary. So you know right away when your child is in disobedience, they are an adversary of God. They're fighting God. They're going against his will. The donkey saw, but Balaam was blind to this fact. Verse 24, it says that Yahweh now stood in a narrow path between the vineyards. In other words, there's a wall on both sides. You notice the walls are now moving in on them. And this is what we do when we pray. We cause the walls of God to move in and shorten their space. He first stands in their way because they're in disobedience. And now he's in a, causes their path to become narrow. Their options are going to become fewer. Verse 26, the Lord went down the path a little bit further into a narrow place, even more narrow. The, the orifice of the funnel, if you will. This is the place where there's nowhere to turn. And this is a good thing to pray Pray that they come to a place when there's no other place to look but up. That's sometimes you've got to pray some really difficult prayers for your children. And this is one of them. Now the poor donkey took a beating for the prophet's disobedience. Now there's some people that are going to suffer along the way that are engaged in a relationship with your children. And that's unfortunate. Poor donkey. You know, sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you. They may curse you. They may say bad things about you. They may disrespect you. Say all kinds of men are evil things against you. But God's on your side because you're on his side. You know, mothers carry quietly a lot of times the responsibility of the family because dads have checked out. The hardest people in this world to be around really are those that are in rebellion against God because of their selfishness and they're unreasonable. They're kind of like donkeys, aren't they? <laughs> Themselves. There's another word we use for that, but I won't use it here. <laughs> the point is God hears persistent prayer. 
Balaam bowed his head. It says he fell flat on his face. This is what your prayers will bring. It'll bring them to the point of brokenness and humility where they can only look up. You know, sometimes, you know, Peter talks about this in his letter to the church who, the, observing the madness of the prophet, he refers to this, madness. And that's really the idea of, of a strange child. They've gone mad. They've lost all reason. Sometimes you have to understand only God can reason with a madman. And this is what it took in that episode. But moving on, it'd be verse 23 in Matthew. Or, or, um, yeah. He's not answering her. And this is the section of Jesus receiving the persistent. This is a very important uh, thing to consider. Why does God remain silent? Doesn't that bother you? When you pray and you're persistent in your prayers, you're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, and you're not hearing anything, you're not seeing anything happen, doesn't that, does that bother you? I should be seeing some nods right now. It bothers me. It bothers me tremendously. Okay, what's up? Why does God remain silent at certain times? What does it mean when God is silent? Does it mean he's reluctant? Does it mean no? Does it mean maybe? Because we're guessing, right? In those times that he's not answering, like, what's up? I'm not, I don't know that I have the answer. The knowledge of God is under his control and under his authority. That means we just continue to seek, okay, what's up here? Just because he's not answering me doesn't mean I stop praying. Doesn't mean that he's not going to do something. He's just chosen not to, to, to reply. And sometimes God doesn't have, does, there's no need for him to reply with words. We see action in time. We see conversions. How many of you have prayed and your prodigal child is no longer prodigal, but they're now walking with Jesus? Was that not an answer? But you didn't get, you didn't get it in words. You got it in repentance. See, we just don't know how God's going to work. So just because we don't hear and we feel that God is silent doesn't mean he's not at work. This is what we're told to believe and to trust. Our relationship with God is kind of like a marriage. Not that we don't talk to our spouses. But, <laughs> but it's, it, there's a breathing. There's a closeness that we feel at times. And then there's a, a, a time that we aren't quite as emotionally engaged with one another. It's like that in our sonship with the Lord. Sometimes we feel really close. Like, wow, man, this is so awesome, Lord. Stay right here and build three tabernacles, you know. This wonderful presence of God. And then there's other times when we just have that friendship relationship. You're just, you're my best friend. It's just, you just never know. But it's always a challenge for us to trust the Lord, to exercise faith, and to just know that he's heard, he knows, he's aware, and he's going to move. It's just up to his time. And again, the reason why, he, in this case, he was silent is because Jesus is observing God's order. And this may be part of why the prayers are not answered immediately. God is waiting things for your life to 
come in order? Is there something in your life that's hindering your prayers from being answered? Just saying. Maybe there's not the right time in that person's life. They, he still hasn't funneled them down to the place where they have no place to turn. We don't know. See, we just don't have the, all the facts. So it's the Jew first, then the Gentile, right? But don't you just love? She continued until Jesus, she had direct audience with Jesus. And yet Jesus is actually trying to draw her out. Don't miss this. He's trying to draw her out where she, what's really in her, her faith. And he does a good job. It's not fair to give the food to the little dogs. Yeah, Lord, I know that. I wouldn't know, but I'll take a crumb. You see, she'll take whatever, God, however you want to work, Lord, however you want to do this, just do something, please, right? Not telling you how to do it. I don't deserve it to be done. Have mercy, but please do something. I'll take anything, Lord, whatever, right? Isn't that what we're looking for when we're praying for our loved ones? I don't, I'm not asking you to make an apostle Paul or, you know, just save them, you know, <laughs> You think there are some things, no, it's not always about what we're praying for, who we're praying for. Sometimes God's using this suffering because it is suffering. Is it not suffering? He's using this to bring about something in our own hearts that we could not receive otherwise. Now, I don't like that truth very much, but it's the truth. <laughs> You think about what Abraham went through. You think about all the people that are listening. The Bible is raw. It lays it out. It doesn't miss, it doesn't sugarcoat anything in regards to this. Abraham, we see his warts. We see Jacob's warts. He had a lot of them, by the way. Joseph, look at this. I didn't, look, all I did was brag a little bit about the dreams and look what it got me, you know. I didn't, I didn't ask for this, right? He suffered tremendously. But to those who God uses tremendously, there seems to be a correlation of suffering tremendously. Because there's some things, unfortunately, we cannot learn otherwise. We must, are we better than our master? Are we greater than our master? Yet, has, does not the scripture tell us? Yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered? Jesus, our savior, as a man, Learned obedience through suffering. We're not getting out of this life pain-free. You're not going to take an aspirin to get over this one. Testing, and these testings are beyond our ability to reason why. Asking God the why questions, it's a waste of time. Because at least for one thing, and I don't know that I have the true full answer for this. I just know that if God would answer why, one why questions, how many more would I follow up with? And it would be an endless conversation of why this and why this. Now, we all love our kids a lot, but one of the things after a while is one little question box won't stop talking. 
well, how, what about this? What about this? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> right? They can wear you down, wear you out. And what, what is God's answer to why questions? Do you have that question? Do you have the answer in your heart now? Trust me. Do you know me? Can you trust me? Look at my track record. What says the Lord? What, what does the scripture say? How has he acted in the past? Well, you think I'm the exception? He must answer me directly. And give me a reason why. No. Trust him. He's faithful. He's faithful. You see, God's plans are bigger, more grander than we could ever imagine. They, he has the ability to see everything at one time. We can't even understand the very moment in which we live, let alone eternity, and all the implications that are involved with how he's going to answer your prayer. Or my prayer. The point here is follow the example of this woman. Pray until you, his will is clearly revealed. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. We should never accept no as an answer until we hear no from him. Paul heard no. On an occasion, did he not? I besought the Lord three times that he would remove this stake from my side, this suffering thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times. And what did the Lord say to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. You should have a sense, and I should have a sense, after praying two, three times, what the will of the Lord is. And if it is no clear direction as is the Lord saying no, then we can assume that the answer is yes, but it requires consistent, pers persevering prayer. It's not, because see, he's true. How earnest are we? How much do we really care? Is it really that important? If it's not that important to you, you'll stop praying about it. You will. And he knows that. This lady wasn't leaving, and the disciples figured that one out. Lord, please, I mean, come on, give us some, just take care of this. They're driving us nuts. So I don't think he answered the, this woman's prayer because of them, but nonetheless, I'm just saying. He's looking for men and women, fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, stand the gap for the work that he wants to do. We're responsible for the natural. God will take care of the supernatural. He does the heavy lifting, right? So our faith is actually demonstrated by doing the natural. And the part of that natural is just being persistent in our prayers. Now, another part of prayer that's important here is reasoning. Reasoning with God is not arguing with God. Not even close. Does not the scripture tell us, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as, yes, they shall be as white as snow, yes. So they're inv involved in this conversation back and forth. 
He's ministering to her on a level that she could understand. It's all cast in figurative language, right? The children are his, represent his disciples, Israelites. The children's bread, the benefits that come to them as his children, the little dogs, the house pets, they're not scavengers. Okay, that's what he's referring to when he says the little dogs. They're little house pets. You know, if you're sitting, some of you that have house pets, and you're gathered at a family dinner, and your little dogs are usually looking up, right? And if you have glass table, that's really obnoxious. <laughs> you don't get up and feed the little dogs right in the middle of the banquet, right? You sort of shoo them away. It's kind of the idea there. And so Jesus, in figurative language, as I've said before, is just showing her that the Jews have first priority. And then the priority of the Gentiles will come later when the gospel is taken to the nations. There's order in God's house. There's order in our house. Would there not be order in God's house? And so, and this is a wonderful thing, when you're desperate and you get to that point of, Lord, help me, help me. God can overlook protocol. Did he minister to her? She didn't understand. They were not given the privileges. Having the oracles of God presented to them, a history of the Old Testament is dedicated to the nation of Israel. They didn't have any of that. We don't have any of that as Gentiles. Yet, when you get to that point... Of God help me, he's there. Whether you're a Jew or whether you are a Gentile. God is not reluctant to answer our prayers. God is there. A willing God. But he must be approached. He is the great I am. We sang it this morning. He's the majestic one. He's to be treated with dignity. And there is a divine protocol that we as his children, as his sons and daughters should follow and respect. And when that is in its order, we have our prayers answered. Now, just to throw in another thing when it comes to prayer, because that's what moms do. <laughs> Sometimes our prayers, God gives consent immediately, but he's delegated those answers being delivered by messengers, heavenly messengers, known as angels, right? And sometimes in their cosmic warfare that's going on in the unseen realm. We don't see any of this. But we have a picture of it in Daniel, do we not? From the day you started praying, Daniel, 21 days ago, I was sent. But I got into this really bad fight. And I got held up. But I'm here now. You know, if God doesn't answer your prayer in, in, in three minutes, don't lose heart. If he doesn't answer your prayer in three days, don't lose heart. Or three weeks, or three years. I prayed 23 years for my mom, and she got saved. About three months. Wow, that's cutting it really close. But she came. God had mercy upon her. We don't set a timeline, do we? We just trust his time is best. I'm going to end with this. What's most important? The base. It's just 
lay it out real simple here when it comes to prayer for our loved ones, for any prayer that we pray really. Come. She came to Jesus. How many people really don't come to God? They'd rather go to some, you know, governmental agency. Good luck with that. Who do you go to? You got to follow the protocol, right? You got to come to God if you want help. You want prayer. You want to be able to pray this. Lord, please help me. Come. Secondly, fall. She fell at his feet. She worshiped him. Well, I just want you to answer my prayer. I don't really care about worshiping you, Lord. I just want you to answer my prayer. Make me feel better. You see how important the attitude and the heart is when it comes to prayer? The humility that's involved in answered prayer. We never, it's not a good idea to approach God on a merit base as if we deserve to have this prayer answered. Have mercy upon me, Lord. Have mercy upon my children or whatever the situation is. And then third, really get humble. Beg. Come, fall, and beg. That's what it's saying. That's what she did. She got results. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I really appreciate results a lot. I want to see my kids stay faithful to God. I want to see the ones that I'm praying for that are lost and in rebelling against that return and repent. I want to see the, those who are erring in their way because they're unteachable to repent and become teachable. For those who are self-righteous, it's a hard road. It's not good to be that way. We have nothing to offer God. We come empty-handed. We lift empty hands in humility. God help us. We have nothing here. Help. Please help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the mothers. Thank you for those who have prayed for us when we were in rebellion. And somehow you, by your merciful grace, you broke through with all that sin, all that rebellion, and you expressed mercy. We could have ended up in eternal torment so easily. We were but a, a step away from hell and you intervened because of their prayers. And all we can say is thank you, Lord. And now we stand the gap for those who we love and care about, Lord, whom we have responsibility to pray for. We stand the gap. We pray for more grace, more mercy, and strength and courage to be persistent, Lord Jesus to fight the good fight of faith and present these people to you day by day, Lord. Strengthen us now for this week that lies ahead. Pour out your grace, pour out your love, and your loving kindness upon this congregation, Lord. Fill my brothers and sisters with your love and goodness, your Holy Spirit. So we rise and sing. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.